Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast where we look at the highs and lows of each and every Prince album. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we are here with our final installment of Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic. We have done a three-part series. We're first episode we looked at Rave into the Joy Fantastic. The second episode we looked at all the musical support that went along with that Rave into the Joy Fantastic. Waiting room by Waiting no doubt. Room and Providence and a bunch of other stuff. If you missed that, feel free to check it out. Today we're gonna look at a whole bunch of videos that went along with the promotion of this album and those things are the Raven to the Year 2000 New Year's Eve special. We found five videos from the European promotion. Mm-hmm. There's only five. If you look on Prince Vault, there's more. But these five were the only ones that I could find that were live performances and not lip syncs. Yes. And in fact, we came across one that was a lip sync that was listed as live. live. And we, oh, we hit skip. Yes. We did not. We did not watch that. I'll probably put links to those. Uh, lip synced videos if you would like to see them I don't know why you would but if yeah. you want to see like his outfit or his musical choices or whatever those will be there for you but on we're, Twitter and Facebook is yes, what you're talking about yes yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll post those uh, on our Twitter which is TMATS podcast mm-hmm. you can find us on Facebook TMATS podcast is the shortcut or you can search for the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast, or you can send us an email. and We'll help you out. Yeah, it'll be great. And then we found three music videos and three interviews. And the last time I'd said we were going to watch an interview by Chris Rock, but when we went to put that on, we realized it was from the wrong era. Yeah, it was more of an Emancipation Era interview, and uh, so we'll get to that on, on another time. Yeah, eventually. But we did find uh, Bryant Gumbel interview yeah that was something we didn't mention last time was that prince um made an appearance on the early show on cbs with brent gumble where brent interviewed him on stage bryant gumble bryant gumble not brent gumble brent gumble is some other kind of gumble uh so Bryant interviewed him on stage at Paisley Park, and there was a performance that went along with him with uh, that interview. So yeah, that'd be Bryant Gumble. I'm going to look yep. up who Brent Gumble is. He's got to be somebody. He's probably His like cousin. a character from Mario Brothers. Yeah, that must be it. He's that a small Gumble. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to jump right in to the very first thing that we're going to talk about, which is Rave into the Year 2000. Yeah, the concert video that um, was originally filmed at Paisley Park in December of 1999 and um, originally aired as a pay-per-view special on New Year's Eve. Um, right before Y2K, we were we subscribed and watched it. <laughs> Had to go get a box from yeah. the cable company because we didn't have a box at that time. It required driving. It was... Yeah, we drove and got it. So I was setting up to get us a box so that we could get this pay-per-view special. And I had called the cable company to figure out how to do that. And I was also buying a propane cooker and canned food just in case. A little Y2K preparation to go along with our New Year's Eve concert. (laughs) Just a little bit. Because I thought, you know, if the power goes out, I'd like to have something to eat. I don't think it'll go out for long. We didn't all go full-on doomsday prepper for all that. But We were cautiously optimistic about the turn of the century. Yeah. 
I wasn't terribly worried, but I wanted to make sure we had some candles and canned <laughs> yes. foods. Of course, that was before kids, so that, I yeah. think if we had had kids at that point, we'd be freaking out a little bit more. Uh, we might have filled the bathtubs with water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the... The, the, the video that we watched, it, it then came out on DVD later, and we right. had a copy of the, of the DVD, so yeah. that's what we watched. So we got to struggle with the, how do you make the Blu-ray player not stretch the DVD <laughs> aspect ratio so everyone doesn't look 30 pounds heavier? Yeah. That took a good 20 minutes to figure yeah, out. Yeah, and we just kind of ignored it for a while. And we then did, then I couldn't take it anymore. You couldn't take it anymore. No, no, we had to get it fixed, so yeah. we got that all taken care of. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're here for our technical issues? Yeah. Fun to hear about. <laughs> if you decide that you need this video, you can get it on Amazon for 30 or $40 used. Yep. eBay, 30 or $40 used. If you want to buy it new, you get like for $180 at Walmart, evidently. If that's but, your uh, cup of tea, If that's go your for cup it. of tea, um... I don't know that I would suggest it. Not for that much money. No. no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. So we kind of broke this up. We watched it together and then agreed to kind of talk about it in sections, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to talk about the first four songs. Go ahead. We can get there first. Um, so it launches with a set of four songs that's Prince and the NPG on stage, and he kicks it off with Let's Go Crazy from Purple Rain. Um, that rolls into She's Always In My Hair, which is a B-side from Around the World in a Day in 1985. And then You Got the Look and Kiss. Um, so it was sort of a And hit. the Kiss was face down, Love to the Nines and Kiss. Yeah, kind, kind of, of all a medley. like medley together, yeah. which I thought was pretty nice. cool. I yeah. liked it a lot. I agree. I was even watching this the first time. It was, I think we both agreed that it was more exciting watching it at midnight on New Year's Eve than at, you know, four in the afternoon on a Sunday uh-huh. in 2018. Uh, agreed. But watching it now, I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be pretty good. It had a really um, great set list and some surprises because he was then the artist formerly known as Prince. So to see him kick off a concert celebrating the new year and also promoting his new album and doing it with four songs in a row that are straight from, you know, Prince hits was sort of surprising. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, he was wearing the uh, the blue foil unitard. From yes, the cover. and with normal hair, with normal hair, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, it totally worked. And I did notice. I think everybody got a memo that it was wear your solid color outfit night. Oh, everyone on stage or everyone in the crowd? Uh, on stage. Oh, okay. Uh, there were a lot of people dressed either in head to toe from white or red or yeah. blue or mm-hmm. every it was wear your solid color night yeah yeah at paisley park for new year's eve right yeah yeah so it was the same basically the same touring band that he had during emancipation uh, okay. except with the addition of larry graham on bass there was uh larry graham was all over the promotion for this album yeah like Everywhere, everywhere that Prince went to promote this album, Larry Graham was with them. Yep, yeah, they definitely uh, were connected at the hip during it was this a package time. deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really thought great start to the concert with yep. those four songs and some surprises, uh, with, especially with "She's Always in My Hair" mm-hmm. um, as a second song in yeah. a concert like this was was pretty cool and you know crowd pleasing hits to to get it started. 
And then Morris Day and the Time crashed I, the party. Oh, I thought it was which great. Which is also cool. I thought it was really fun. Morris mm-hmm. like swung in on a rope swing and... He did, but he also did it from like the fifth step of a metal ladder off stage, yeah. which was kind of strange. It was weird. It was like, a little corny. And right. if you watch, it was a stunt double. It wasn't oh, Morris. Oh, really? Oh, and it was a white stunt double. <laughs> I didn't notice that. So I really? thought, I don't know, could he have been somewhere else? Did we have to see this metal, like, basically, like a ladder you'd find in your garage that Morris is standing on to swing in on a rope? Okay, so I can see that and can concede that, but I kind of think it's kind of fun to have this, like, campy sort of thing that has to do with the time not that purple rain was campy but it had its like little parts in it that were just a little ridiculous and a little mm-hmm. silly and, and i thought morris. especially yeah. with morris and i really thought that that was like a funny kind of maybe a salute to that yeah. a little bit yeah, and it I was the it was same fun. with Graffiti Bridge in yeah. 1990, which was sort of a sequel to Purple Rain. You know, he was he stole the the entire movie mm-hmm. because it wasn't a very good film. <laughs> so that wasn't very Spoiler hard to do. Alert. I know. <laughs> Josh didn't we'll like that. the film Graffiti Bridge. Just, I mean, it was just objectively not a great film. <laughs> um, okay. But Jungle Love and The Bird, both uh-huh. both songs from Purple Rain. You know, the, yeah. probably the two two of the most popular songs by the time. And to see it was them, really fun. You know, do the slide on the stage and mm-hmm. the fun dances. Everything was there. So, yep. so we get six songs into it, and I'm feeling really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is I'm like this fun. is pretty fun. Yeah, I did find it really funny that Morris, when he got on stage, um, told everybody they have ten seconds to get up off their butts, and yeah. there were no chairs. <laughs> Well, that came from the bird. And, you I know, know the, the, but it I, was still yeah. silly. Yes, he had to sing that part. That's what made the bird the bird. So even though no one was the sitting. The bird made the bird the bird. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a last call for alcohol, as Morris Day would say. So okay. lots of fun. Prince kind of, you know, kind of says fooey to you and walks off stage. And this, you know, obviously planned thing, he walks off and lets them have the stage to themselves, yeah. which is kind of cute. Yeah, I just don't get the the ladder thing. Just okay, it bothered you. It Sorry, bother me. Yes, yeah. I don't think it's the thing that probably bothered you the most about this no. entire video. So no. Oh, let's move on to uh, Lenny Kravitz. All right, then Prince makes a reappearance and comes through the crowd, which is interesting too. He's in his own building. He could have come in from anywhere. He has ladders. He could have done that. <laughs> nope. So he and Lenny walk through the crowd with people. You know, yeah, who are you know, an invitation-only crowd, basically, uh-huh. and bodyguards part the sea of people who pose no threat uh-huh. so that Prince and Lenny Kravitz can walk through the crowd with their guitars <laughs> and hop on stage and play a couple songs together. Lenny had mentioned in other interviews that he and Prince had met and worked together on other songs, mm-hmm. and so um, it was kind of a surprise, not surprise, for Lenny to join him on stage. And this is probably the height of Lenny Kravitz pop culture popularity and yes. he was a successful musician, but you know, his biggest hits came during this time too, which they play both of them. Right. Um, American Woman and Fly, Fly Away. Away. Yeah. I thought Fly Away was better. 
I thought they both were sort of mediocre songs when you've got two guitar gods on stage together, but they're and obviously they've met and are friends, but there's not an awful lot of chemistry with yeah. them on stage together. And I didn't think that Lenny's singing was particularly great either. No, he didn't sound great. And I think that might be a Lenny live thing. Oh, we saw him live. Yes. Years and years ago. Years and years ago. And maybe not long, terribly long. It was right around this time this, period. I think it was that Pink fall. opened for him. Pink opened Pink for him. Was and, anybody. Yeah, and she was she awesome. She was awesome. She rocked it. Yeah. And Lenny was, it was good. It, it was, was okay. Yeah, it was an outdoor concert and, you know, it was yeah. guitar playing and, you know. It was fine. Yeah. I thought that it was kind of just fell a little flat with Lenny. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, but no. it's not like you would expect. Oh, Prince and Lenny Kravitz on stage together. Yeah, what a rare opportunity. And and it just didn't really happen. No, and I, re- I think way. I remember liking it a little more mm-hmm. when we watched it on New Year's Eve. Of course, that would have been like 12.45 in the morning. Yeah, and probably a couple glasses of champagne into it, too. A lot of things <laughs> yeah. probably sounded better than they really were. Yeah. Um, so, but that was fine. It, it was, was cool. fun to was see a cool like a couple of pretty famous people on stage, and mm-hmm. yeah, not often that Prince would you know invite, especially another man on stage to play yeah. guitar with him. Yeah, that was kind of rare. And I thought Lenny's guitar playing was good, mm-hmm. and of course Prince is stellar. But yeah. the, I thought the vocals were a little. Yeah, no, they didn't rival the studio versions of his songs. I no. guess that's the kindest way to put it. Yeah. And Prince, you kind of get an intermission a little bit, and mm-hmm. there's a costume change. Prince comes back in a black outfit similar to his blue one. Right. Black and shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, Very sparkly. And what I thought was another surprise, the song Get Off with two T's. Yes. That's a distinction because there is a song in his catalog from 10 years earlier named Get Off with one T. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, that's why the song has two T's oh, because he had already recorded it. heard one called Get Off. Yeah. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. So well, the double T version is... Yeah, that's the popular that's version. The one, that's the one that most people... Yeah, familiar with. Yeah, I yeah. thought this was good. Also, I was a little yeah. uh, surprised to hear him play it because at this point in his career, he had sworn off swearing. Uh-huh. I guess you could say, and "Yeah, this is not the cleanest song in the world." But he cleans it up a little bit with little bit. Uh, twenty-three scriptures in a one-night stand <laughs> instead of twenty-three physicians in a one-night stand. Yeah, because that's what people do on their one-night stands is they sit and read the Bible yeah. together. Yeah, I know that I do. <laughs> Are you having a lot of one-night stands <laughs> with the Bible? <laughs> okay, that's acceptable. Yeah, so this was that time of year or that time in Prince's career when he was reworking older songs too to kind of fit within his spirituality and his religion at the time uh so this one did not bother me at all i thought it was still it was fun it was was, was a harmless change and um i thought that the the song itself came off great it was a great performance i thought it was good really if you are into prince's dancing too this is sort of the last opportunity to see that also you know it was we saw him live in 2001 and he barely moved you know he was uh fairly stationary and there were no more splits after this yeah there was speculation that he had had issues and surgery and mm-hmm. had to kind of pull back on that kind of stuff. Um, but he was definitely in full dance mode here and jumping off platforms and all yeah. that kind of stuff still, which yeah. is, you know, 21 years into his career. Yeah, pretty amazing. It is very amazing. Yeah. Um, so after Get Off, we get a very long or 
two long extended <laughs> jam with Larry Graham and members of Graham Central uh-huh. Station. I think this is where the whole thing kind of goes off the rails a little bit for a period of time yeah. here. Um, there's a medley featuring Rosie Gange, which it was cool to see her back yeah. on stage with Prince after leaving in 1992. Rosie Gaines, Mike Scott, and Macy O. Parker on saxophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played It's Alright, Everyday People, and Higher, which were Grand Central Station songs. It was just way too long of an extended intermission with compounded by very little Prince and uh-huh. a highlight on Larry and Larry singing. Which I don't think is his strong suit right. by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> How did you describe it? Lost in a mustache. Like I got That's lost in a mustache. Previously. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And he's got his Price is Right microphone connected mm. to his bass guitar. <laughs> Price is Right microphone. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. But yes. I th- there were a few high points in here for me. Prince had his guitar, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, there were some pipe drums. Cool. My highlights from that were instruments. It was Maceo, mm-hmm. the guitar, the cool pipe drums. Yeah. I thought those things were really interesting. There was a harmonica that played that was really yeah. that was well done. Really well done and very interesting. But I would say on the whole it could have been about five minutes shorter than it was yeah. and been Yeah, I think the idea was it was going to be kind of an impromptu session like they probably did a hundred times together on that very stage, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, And it worked as a private jam session, but when you turn it into a sort of a made-for-the-general-public concert, it was easy to lose interest. Yeah. (sighs) Ready to move on? (laughs) Sure, we can move on. Then Then we get back to a little, well, or a lot. More prints. Yeah, yeah. There's sort of another uh, transition, I guess you could say, and he mm-hmm. launches into Purple Rain. Right. Um, hey, which, he, he had some dancers do some dancing. There were some So that he could, like, yeah, yeah which were kind of silly, but it was to give Prince a chance to have a costume change. So. I, I guess so, although this thing was not aired live, so he could have gone off stage and changed and come back, but we get the two dancers on stage. Mm-hmm. No idea who those people were, but good for them. They got to dance on stage with Prince. That's awesome. Right. Purple Rain is, never gets old to me, but no. um, the reinterpretations of Purple Rain kind of get old to me, where, like in this case, the, it starts with a video of water falling, and it's gel-lit <laughs> purple. Uh-huh, silly. And all I can think is, you know, what made Purple Rain great was there were at least subtle metaphors throughout the film and the song, Right. and here I feel like catering to the lowest common denominator and we've got to show some rain that's purple before the rain now i get that some of the artwork for purple rain had purple rain in the artwork and that's cool but this you know 15 years later there's no mistaking the song you hear the first two notes of the song and right you know, you what, know it what it is yeah uh, i didn't need the additional b-roll of the lit water falling from the sky <laughs> no. and making little splashes. It was a let's do it because we can. But I thought the song was good. I thought the song, he, the performance was great. Prince is dressed like Neo from the Matrix. It's kind of how <laughs> I described like it. He's the only one who could pull off this like trench coat pants jumper kind of thing. Bathrobe. And have it be like okay. Yeah, yeah. He, we got a little bit of monologue of some of Prince's um, views about time and time being a trick, and it could be 1492, not 1999, and 
Um, yeah. This went into his theological. There. Yeah, there was a little bit of preaching from Prince, and I just I think it's great that he had studied things and was trying to you know become more learned and was very intellectual. However, with a concert named after the turn of the century to be aired on New Year's Eve and then start proclaiming that time is a trick seemed yeah, a, little a little counterproductive. <laughs> um, yeah, a little strange. With you there. There's a gospel choir on stage, too. Speaking of things that are kind of like say one thing, mean another, you know, Prince introduces, um, actually it's the next song, I'm sorry, The Christ, the, yes. the re-recording of, or the retitled version of The Cross, which this re-singing of the song or redoing the lyrics is very controversial to among Prince right. fans, I guess really anyone. You know, he had changed his belief to thinking that Jesus was Not killed on the cross, but rather killed on a stake. stake yeah, so the cross so. doesn't have as much meaning to him, so it was really right. a song about the Christ. And then there's all the theologians have been arguing about this for centuries. I don't know that we yeah, need to get it, into uh, all that. Yeah, and to me, like, personally, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. The, like, the methodology really doesn't matter so much, and the cr- the cross can mean something to you. Yeah. Even if it's not literal, because a it's lot a, of the yeah. Bible isn't literal. Right. It's a symbol of a sacrifice from right. exactly. uh, God to yeah. save his people. Yeah. Uh, so. so that's fine. I don't have a problem with the you know retitling of the of the song and singing it as the Christ. But what I was saying before was, you know, he says that it's not a gospel song because the song can't be categorized and neither should Jesus. Which is nice until a gospel choir appears on stage to (laughs) sing along with it, with him. Um, And we also get kind of a, for me, a no thank you duet with with Larry Graham. Yeah, I really wish it would have just been Prince. The choir, like their actual vocalizing was, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a problem with that at all, but I really wish it would have just been Prince singing. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that Larry had a lot of influence over Prince's reapproach to the song, so that's why he got to share the stage. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it would be better if um, we just remove that Price is Right microphone from Larry's bass and let him play. Yeah, bass is what he's good at. Let's let him play. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So there we get another change of pace with this blues medley with Maceo Parker and mm-hmm. Johnny Blackshire, who was a backup singer for Prince for uh, a number of years. I thought the play between them was tons of fun. Yeah, he had kind of a back and forth with Maceo, yeah. kind of joking around with him on stage. That was and, uh, definitely a highlight for me. I thought that was really, it was fun. It was funny. It was, they were joking. It was the kind of thing that I would want from an impromptu performance at for New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. There, there was some fun. It was kind of, yeah. I agree. We did get a, a lot of Prince on stage alone playing mm-hmm. a blues guitar solo basically in the dark, which right. was really cool also. I'm with you. This was kind of the better parts of the entire thing. You know, Prince has a cover of Jimi Hendrix's song Red House that's named Purple House that appeared on a, tri- a tribute album to Jimi Hendrix, which was called The Power of Soul, that came out in 2004. But his version of Red House, Purple House, was recorded around this time, and he plays mm-hmm. a little bit of that during this also, yeah. which is neat to, cool. neat to hear. This is kind of basically an instrumental version of, of that song. But yeah, Johnny Blackshire joking around with Maceo Parker was very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next? Then Prince decides to crowd surf, crowd swim. 
yeah, he uh, kind of calls on everyone to come over and take him to another platform where his new piano was sitting. So yeah, he, and it's the Pegasus. If yeah. you have not seen this thing, it is incredible. Yeah, it's on, you should. I'll I'll find a picture and okay. post it on social media of his beautiful black Pegasus piano. It's a feat of engineering. It sounds amazing, and it's unlike. Almost any other yeah, kind of piano that you've ever seen. It's beautiful. We were lucky to lucky enough to make it to Paisley Park in November of 2016. And I think it's still there and on display, but we got to see it on display mm-hmm. also. It was it's, very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so he introduces it uh, during this part. So it was a fairly new acquisition by him. And yeah. he tells I'm everyone, like, check out my new piano. And we're like, oh, we saw that. We saw that piano. <laughs> <laughs> So he introduces it and plays around. It's got a pneumatic cover lid on the piano that he kind of plays around with a little to joke around and launches into Nothing Compares to You, which it's cool to see him sing that with Rosie Gaines because for a long time, the only version, official version of Nothing Compares to You that had Prince on vocals was on The Hits and the B-Sides, which was released in 1993, and it was basically a duet between him and Rosie Gaines then also. That's cool. So she returns to, you know, sing along with him also. I thought that that was a fun song, great one to, to include and to add mm-hmm. also. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, then Prince takes the main stage again with a mashup of two songs that he has mashed up forever mm-hmm. uh take me with you and raspberry beret uh-huh. i think if you ever it's heard classic yeah yeah it is it never got old to me but man if you saw prince in concert in the last 20 years and you heard take me with you you could bet some pretty good money that raspberry beret would be mixed <laughs> in with it yep you know there's the one thing that bothered me a little is that we get so literal with these songs we had actual purple rain yeah. for purple rain and when we launch into raspberry beret there's the a dancer. dancer on stage wearing a wine-colored hat, uh-huh. a raspberry beret. I'm like, I, you know, Yeah, I, I do understand. we really need to be so literal in the yeah, interpretation? I can, I can follow along. It's cool, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. And maybe that was him. That's funny because I think he was really trying to appeal to the masses with that kind of stuff. But there was the whole Larry Graham stuff and then our little sermon that went with Purple Rain and the, the Christ. Yeah, and maybe he was being careful to say, oh, this can't all be me preaching. I'm going to give you some hits also to make this more fun and enjoyable, which is fine. But yeah, I think we just kind of dumbed it down a little too much for for me. Uh, Then we get uh, finally on, you know, here we are near the end of this concert that's kind of celebrating the new year and promoting his album that came out a month earlier. And this is where we get the songs from this album right and um, i did not like the little greatest romance video cut in that they did yeah you got to see kind of the first whatever minute of the greatest romance ever sold and then it kind of blends in with the band playing the live version right which, again kind of took away from the live feel of the concert you yeah know, this is which not- i was like if you're gonna pretend it's live and have like dancers on stage so that you can do a costume change and all that mm-hmm. stuff and pretend it's live don't put part of the video in the middle of it. Yeah, there was no need for really it. I mean, and it wasn't. Not. We'll get to it later, but it's not like the video was completely amazing or anything that it had to be to be worked into it. So at least we do get a pseudo live performance of the single, which is nice to see. And then it 
he goes right. into Baby Knows, which is uh, another song. I thought from, that was a really good live. Yeah, really good. Fun. He even said, um, I forget which interview or concert we were watching or uh, appearance where he said that it was one of his favorite songs to yeah. play during the time. And you can tell because it's one that he played at almost all of he his... He played a lot, yeah. Yeah, all of his TV performances in Europe during this time, he played this song. So yeah, I thought that this was, that Baby Knows was a lot of fun live. Yeah. Um, just like The Greatest Romance Ever Sold, though, it had... A ton of canned, pre-recorded vocals. Right. When we reviewed both of the albums, Rave Unto and Rave Into, one of my comments was I felt like Cheryl Crow was a little bit buried, that you couldn't really hear her. I could hear her more on the live <laughs> version, and she wasn't even in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of questioned the mix a little bit and the pre-recorded vocals, and that may also be me having watched and listened to Prince over the last... 12 years of his career, you know, really promoting live music by real music by real musicians, that kind of thing. And right. canned or lip synced and he wasn't quite there yet yeah. here. Some of it may also be, he just didn't have a lot of vocal support from the band outside of right. Johnny Blackshire. There weren't any other members of the band at the time that were, could really support him vocally. So right. a lot of his own vocals were used as Back up. And then he says, thank you and good night. Thank you, good night. And I'm like, who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't played 1999 yet. I don't think he was kidding many people. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so this is supposed to be the retiring of 1999. He says that in some of the uh, interviews that we'll get to here in a minute. But mm-hmm. um, he's going to play it for the last time, saying there's no need to play it after 1999 passes. Mm-hmm. You know, Other than the a, fact that you know people like the song. People do like it. So it was supposed to be the going away party for 1999. We know now that that never happened. But um, also Baby Emma Star was played. So kind of a closing this again with some of his biggest hits, which I thought... You know, it was nice to see. Honestly, by the time I got to the end of this thing, I felt like I was forcing someone to watch my own home videos <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> like, this has gone on long enough. Uh, look, kids, Big Ben. Hey, that's yeah. the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought the entire thing was not an especially inspired concert film, no. especially when you look at some of the other even live films that were recorded on that same soundstage, the Sign of the Times concert film from 12 years earlier is Mm -hmm. far superior. And the stage itself was just very cavernous, not very well decorated, kind of poorly lit. and Couldn't even give poor stuntman for... Morris Day, a platform to jump off of. Yeah, had to just, just give we'll him just a bring in a ladder and let him climb up twelve feet and yeah, and go nuts. swing in. Yeah, and can we talk about the editing? Oh, good <sighs> lord! It was. I don't. I don't remember it being that bad. I wonder if they re-edited it you know, before it was. Layered. That was. I yeah. guess I didn't remember. I mean, there can't be me. three was, seconds of straight scenes in this entire concert and most of them were one second or less cuts just constant it was cut the, after cut after yeah, cut it was like watching uh spongebob square paint it was, it was <laughs> like for the uh folks who just don't have the attention span to keep watching it's like give me a little credit i'm there to see prince i don't need to see I can't have five seconds of video that yeah. I can pay attention for. I'm okay Almost everybody with... can pay attention for five seconds. Come on. <laughs> yes. I mean, a lockdown shot is still a thing. Yeah. Um, and I would have appreciated a whole lot more of them. There, because, well, it one was... would have been great. <laughs> it was 
all borderline nauseating. It was. I mean, like, there, there could was, have been a seizure warning on yeah, this DVD right, right after or before the FBI warning to not copy it. Yeah. And not only the, the quick cuts, but there were, I don't know how many times, the slow-mo freeze mm-hmm. thing was kind of used at the end of a song, which just completely detracted from the live feel. It was clear that it was not live. I mean, it was recorded live, but then had been edited and cut to pieces to, yeah. to put together and it seemed a little rushed. Yeah. Um, so that was disappointing. Yeah. And the the only place that I thought that that wasn't completely terrible was there was an interview portion. Oh, yeah. Which like was kind of, it was separate. Menu item. Yeah, yeah, menu item that was kind of interesting. And it was like a mishmash of interviews. We had Prince, Morris Day, George Clinton, some mm-hmm. of his dancers, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Jerome, mm-hmm. the club owner from Purple Rain, yeah. his name, I don't know. Billy Sparks. Okay, thank you. Billy Sparks, a bunch of other people who we didn't quite know who they were. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, because they, they weren't identified. No, in, in no in, way at yes. all. But it was you could tell they'd all been asked or been caught in an interview talking about the same sorts of things. Things So there were kind of quick cuts between all these different people talking about the same thing, but there was never an interviewer like asking them a question. And I thought that was kind of interesting and good that they talked about God and what their first instruments were Mm -hmm. and music and music business and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It was interesting. I mean, even I, towards the end, I'm like, okay. Well, and I had seen it before, you know, so, and, um, you know, this was the beginning of Prince's fight for, or celebration of freedom for artists and owning what they create. Right. Um, And it was something that he, you know, made the last two decades of his career, that was the main point of it all, is right. to educate artists, help help up-and-coming artists own their own work and not fall into the same pitfalls that he fell into. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And in that, in those interviews, we got to see the chair from Black Sweat. Yeah, it was in the background. It was in the background, mm-hmm. and we heard the doves. That's Div- right. Divinity and Majesty. Right. Yeah, which was kind of cool. They it was were cool. both still alive when we went in 2016, which was yeah, kind of cool. It was very cool. And um, yeah, so that was neat. Those were, that was maybe my favorite part of the video was the little interview. Oh, the interviews with the. And <laughs> <laughs> only not because the performances weren't, didn't sound good in a lot of places, because a lot of places they sounded fine or very good. But I, the editing was just, it was so, it was hard to watch. It was. So, yeah. you know, if there's something, a song from that you really want to see, you know, maybe go check on YouTube and well, just catch the one song. I don't know that it would be, especially since a, a sale of that particular video isn't going to benefit the estate in any way. Yeah. You yeah, might well, the physical benefit copy. another fan. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, just a little, you know, had its high points for sure, but um, I think overall in the end was uh, kind of a letdown. Yeah, a little bit. I was kind of excited about watching it because I remembered it being better. Oh. (laughs) But. I was less excited about watching it. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
But okay, fair. It got us. We got through it, and we it was fun it. to revisit it. I don't. I think it will be a long time before I need to yeah. pop that in the Blu-ray player again. Uh, agreed. Or whatever player we've got at that point. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Then we have a bunch of performances from November of 1999 yeah. in Europe. He was busy. He was very, very busy. busy. He was all over Europe. He was really, really busy. So we're going to go in chronological order okay. for these. Uh, November 17th, 1999, he was mm-hmm. in Paris. Okay. Uh, Nupar and Elieurs. I'll let you say all the French words. <laughs> um, do my best. Yeah. And that one was fun. He started with the greatest romance. Like, he started playing it a little bit. And yes. then he said, oh, but I feel like Prince tonight. Right. And then played Alphabet Street. Yes. And... He had this fluffy purple jacket on. Yeah, and he had an and unusual guitar to see him play yeah. live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one that he played very often at all live. It was something that he used in the studio a lot, but it was kind of interesting to see him playing live without a cloud guitar or um, one of his typical live instruments. Yeah. It was neat. Larry mm-hmm. Graham was there, of course. He was more of a background yeah. player there, too, which I think was fine. Um, but yeah, this is a good case in point of wherever... Prince was, Larry Graham was right behind, or vice versa. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a couple snippets of The Undertaker and I Love You But I Don't Trust You. Yes. And evidently there was also portion of this where he played Baby Nose, but I didn't find that. So oh, we okay. got Alphabet Street. So yeah. may I Alphabet Street and kind of a blues jam. Yeah. Which was it was a nice change it of was pace. Fun. Especially after watching the New Year's Eve special first, and then we came back around and watched these uh, live appearances. Right. Um, they were just much more energetic and maybe a little less planned, more spontaneous. Yeah. They were fun. I thought they were. It was yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And then November 19th, 1999, he was in London on a show called TGI Friday. Okay. He played Pretty Man. Yeah. Um, which was... I, that was good. Very fun. This was one of our favorite songs yeah. off of the um, both albums. Right. And I don't know if this was right around the time that maybe things were falling apart or if he was just having fun with Clive Davis at Arista Records who helped you know, produce Rave unto the Joy Fantastic. But he changed some of the lyrics to say, um, you know, about his hair. If there ever comes a time that it just won't grow, I'll do like Clive Davis and oh. buy some more. Uh-huh. And Clive was bald. Bald. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Um, so a very fun performance. Again, on this one, I thought there were a lot of pre-recorded vocals that yeah. um, supported Prince, and so it was I a live performance. I forgive that on but... these kinds of shows, though. I mean, it's in Europe where he does not live. There's only so many people you can take with you. Ah, but he never was one to be frugal yeah. on this kind of thing, but... You know, as Prince on vocals only, he wasn't playing a guitar. Which, yes, um, which I missed that a little bit. A little bit, but he was, you know, into dancing and moving uh-huh. around quite a bit, so yeah. that was fun to see. That was fun. And the sax player who was with him on this tour, yeah, really, she really got to shine here. I thought that was really, it was neat. She did a great job. And, yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right, and then we move on to November 22nd, 1999 in Spain. Mm-hmm. Septimo. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was a long. I didn't really... It was really, a huge... It was, it was, it was like an hour long. It was like yeah. 38 minutes. So, you know, once they put it on television with commercials and yeah, whatever. It was essentially an hour long show, like, takeover. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I 
Yeah, it was great. I loved his outfit. He started with Pretty Man. He yeah, it was kind of like a Middle Eastern thing that he was wearing, would well, you call well, it? Well, it was like, it, well, it felt like a very, like, Italian designery. It was mm. a sweater yeah. with stripes yeah, and, and a matching, and a matching hat. hat. And I thought he looked really good. It was more casual than you typically see Prince doing a performance in... Like, even his more casual things are very obviously... Yeah, tailored. Tailored. And this Mm -hmm. was obviously tailored, but it also looked really comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very much something that... Yeah, very relaxed. Yeah, just anybody could wear that. But he wears it, of course, better than most of anyone could. Yeah. This was a great performance. Yeah, it was. Definitely one of the high points of the era. He opened with Pretty Man, again, with um, vocals only, but it was a very energetic performance. Um, And then had a great guitar solo to open Baby Nose, and there were Mm -hmm. clips of old Prince videos that were kind of fun to see. Um, Again, lots of pre-recorded background vocals, which I know you're forgiving, but it was very energetic and a lot of fun guitar work and clearly a live performance right yeah he was playing his guitar so hard he had to blow on it to cool it off (laughs) he did that that. i thought that was really like funny and everybody else on the stage is like a sweaty mess and he is cool as a cucumber i'm like i don't know how he ever did that not even breaking a sweat yeah um he played a cover of motherless child Uh um which started with drums that i i forgot about this performance I'd seen it before, but the drums, they were programmed drums for the song, and they sound very much picked up from uh, his cover of Joan Osborne's One of Us from Emancipation. And I thought that's what he was about to sing. Mm -hmm. And of course, then it was Motherless Child that was awesome. Yeah. Um, We looked up, you know, like, where did the song originate? Because I knew other, other artists had performed it before, and it was not a Prince song. I did not know that it was a what Wikipedia categorized as a traditional Negro spiritual dating back to slavery in America yeah. in the 1870s oh, was which when it makes first it a came around. Heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, but really great performance and an incredible guitar solo that I thought rivaled his um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance with Tom Petty mm-hmm. and a bunch of other um, inductees on stage. That was really good. Mm-hmm. He did a funny thing where he had a guitar on his back at one point. Yeah. And then he played the air guitar, uh-huh. which I thought was <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> funny. I'm like, yeah, that's good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, he was definitely yeah. having fun doing yeah. this. Um, so we do get a Larry Graham appearance during this, too, with the song The Jam that's more of a mm-hmm. band introduction that Prince started playing sometime around 1994. He started playing it live and using it to introduce um, his live band, um, and he did it into the 2010s. Um, so that was kind of fun to see. Right. And the biggest surprise appearance to me was Maite on stage during Everyday People. Yeah, like, well, this is... they. Purchased a home. Yes, he in purchased Spain, his home in Spain and was staying there. And was staying there. And if when we read her book, you know, he bought this house and she went to live there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really spend a whole lot of time there with her. Right. And that was kind of everything was falling apart. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, but they definitely looked happy together yeah. on stage. Uh, Even Maite with Larry Graham looked yeah. happy on stage. And in yeah, her she book, had a it was flower and you know, yeah. she was, she was dancing and she looked happy and they didn't really like look happy 
together. They were, but they, they both looked happy. They were, they were having a good time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they weren't. it didn't seem like there was a ton of animosity there, but... Yeah, but I think she's clear in her book that yeah. Larry and his wife and their influence on, on Prince are... Right. Was the reason, was one of the big reasons, reasons. of their right. spiritual separation. Right. I guess you could say. Yeah, I thought it was very telling that she didn't make any kind of appearance in Rave into the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought was that was, there. but it was nice to see her here and I thought that was neat. Yep. Yep. Uh, the only other thing that I thought was funny was that he. The Spaniards must like the butt wiggle quite a lot because oh, he shook was his a tush a whole bunch in this one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. All right, moving on. Uh, November 25th, 1999, he was in Germany mm-hmm. on the Harald Schmidt show. Yes. Uh, again, Baby Knows was the performance. Mm-hmm. This is the one song Because he really enjoyed playing it, evidently. He enjoyed playing it. It was always kind of successful live, yeah. too, I thought. He always looked like he was having fun. Yeah. So that was good. He had a green jumpsuit on, essentially, mm-hmm. is what I kind of described it It was it kind as. of a goldish green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of looked line like a lizard dragon sort of like the kind of shimmery changes color kind yeah. of thing uh-huh. yeah with the, the blue cloud guitar and sunglasses mm-hmm. um which again i thought it was a it was a fun performance a lot of energy mm-hmm. the one thing i noticed about this was the audience sat the, the, the entire time yes. like, looked bored out of their minds <laughs> which i didn't understand because prince is playing the guitar he puts his leg over the neck of the guitar yes. while he's playing it was amazing he was doing everything he could to make and it fun and all the, these people are sitting on their behind the germans I was were not like, having it they were like nine <laughs> nicht. <laughs> i thought it was a great performance even if the people from the audience did not appreciate it. And I wonder if the Harold Schmidt show might have not been a uh, target audience of Prince listeners. Yeah, who knows how they these looked a got little booked. they looked a little older. older. Yeah. So maybe they were just not so up into the Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. All right. And then the final performance that we saw was November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine in the Netherlands yes. on Tross. TV. Okay. Yes, that's right. Again, baby Baby knows. Baby knows. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? And I thought this was the first time in any of these performances where he maybe looked a little tired. I can understand. Yeah, he he had a busy month. There was not only these performances, but there were a bunch of other performances where he'd done lip syncs. Mm -hmm. So while he's maybe not straining his voice. Yeah, physically. Physically, he's still he's still got to be out there. He's still got to dance. He's still got to like get dressed and be ready and look nice and all this stuff. So yeah. he looked a little tired here, but he still I thought did a good job. Yeah, I thought it was it was fine. I mean, again, how often do you get to see him live on TV? There, I mean, it's amazing how many we found. I had forgotten how many appearances he made. He was busy from being pretty reclusive to coming out and. I would say, you know, looking back at this era, I have to hand it to him. The, the amount of promotion that he did that lasted a long time, two years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though he didn't appear on a lot of American TV shows, I think the international scene was he covered it pretty well. Right. Yeah. And then had the pay-per-view New Year's Eve thing that most anyone could, could watch. Right. 
Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the music videos. Okay. Uh, there's the Greatest Romance Ever Sold music video. This was the video that came out eight weeks after the single was released. I, someone needs to explain to me why. Yeah, because it wasn't... There was not anything very exciting. Yeah. Oh, in the video about, itself? About this video. No, it was, it was... It was pretty cut and dried. Look, you know, we're going to put this together. It was nicely shot. Yes. It was... It was a, you know, kind of a but, slow to mid-tempo song, and the entire video was slow motion also. Yeah. So it never felt like it picked up any energy at all. No. Um, it was kind of neat to see a lot of the set and the props from the photo shoot for the rave into yes. booklet. And he was, yeah, he was wearing the same suit. Yeah, there was, was that kind of modern white table that mm-hmm. what you can see in the booklet is, is in this video. He's got the kind of henna tattoos on his eyelids. Yeah, I didn't know what that patterned eyeliner. It yeah. was like almost looked like a temporary glitter tattoo mm-hmm. that was his eyeliner, which is interesting. It's not a choice I would ever make for myself, but you know he's Prince, and he was an expert at his eyeliner by this time. So if you wanted to do something different, totally fine. All I, I could think it. of was uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when uh, Ben Stein is teaching a class, and there's a girl <laughs> in the front row, and she blinks real slow to make sure uh-huh. he sees her eyelids that say "Love Me" or something uh-huh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> Prince is looking at the camera and it's slow motion, it's just clearly set up so uh-huh. you can get a good view of whatever's going on on his eyelids. <laughs> Was that Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I thought that was in... Uh, oh, no. It you're was, right. It was in uh, Indiana Jones. It was in Indiana and the Jones. Lost Ark. She's Sorry. sitting in the front with yes. her. Wow. I'm like, who would put Love Me on their eyelids right. for Ben Stein? Who would mix up Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford and Ben Stein? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, um, at least he wasn't Brent Stein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prince alone with his little hip hop moves. I didn't. I wasn't feeling that though. It had maybe a little bit more energy to it. It still. I didn't. Wasn't successful to me. And the growing pregnant stomach thing was super creepy. Yeah, I, I and I didn't like the simulated sex either. Yeah, with was, someone other than his wife at the time. Even if they were not together, it still. Yeah. It was a little too intense for even. Like music video for yeah, me I to agree. be this like is, yeah, no. really successful and not squeaky at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So then the, we found a Hot With You video, which mm-hmm. was the Nasty Girl remix. Right. Which was from Rave Into. Correct. Yeah. I was disappointed because he did say, do the marshmallow. Uh-huh. Oh, and you then, were looking to see some visual and evidence I'm like, here? Maybe we're going to find out what the marshmallow is. And he didn't do any particular kind of dance moves. So I yep. still don't know what the marshmallow is and how you do it. It was just a bunch of girls not wearing a lot of clothing. Yeah, I mean, was, I made one bullet note for this video. And uh, it reads, again, kind of a yawner. Yeah. There was really nothing <laughs> so remarkable really about it say. at all. No. And then there was a video for Beautiful Strange. Uh-huh. It starts where we get uh, some images of Paisley Park with right. a limo in front. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, this yeah, is going to we'll be... see something here. Nope. It's no, a bunch don't. of psychedelic clouds and unreadable type. Yeah, I mean... That's uh, the entire video. It's a whole yeah. bunch of nothing, really. Um, yeah. Basically a lyric video, which... 
um, is difficult to read, you know, looking back at trying to read this weird typeface lyric video was not easy to do. Um, I thought it was a little bit like I Wish You Heaven with kind of the motiony backgrounds and the lyrics appearing on stage. The video for I Wish You Heaven was a little like that, but mm-hmm. was far superior. The version of the song, though, was the original studio version, not the version that was on Raven to the Joy Fantastic. So the only thing that interested me about this was getting to hear that again. Yeah. yeah. And hear the original version. It was a let's listen to it and not bother to watch it kind of video. Right. So mm-hmm. there was also evidently a TRL, what was that? Total Request Live. Oh, yes. Uh, performance with Carson Daly. With Carson Daly. Where Brent Daly. <laughs> Brent Daly. Um, and I couldn't, he evidently had some zingers that he sent right at Carson. Yeah, just and about I, the state of popular music. Yeah. And, hey, you don't promote that kind of stuff, uh, yeah. do you? And I would have liked to have seen that, but I couldn't find the video anywhere. So yeah, I found we, some photos, but uh-huh. not any video. Yeah. It's, so it, yeah, kind of scrubbed from... Yeah. It wasn't a performance. It was just an It was just an interview. Kind of promote okay. the, yeah, the Well, album. that leads us into interviews. our interviews. Final section of no. the final podcast was, on this era. Yes, on Rave. Yeah, so um, the first one that we watched was an interview with Kurt Loder yeah. on TV, which was set up in Paisley Park in one of the studios that mm-hmm. we actually visited. It's oh, in the studio where uh, you can have your picture taken with a oh, large black and white right. portrait of Prince. It had a lot of graffiti bridge graffiti in the studio at that yeah. point and you can see it behind print so it was kind of neat to say hey well, we stood right there where this interview took place mm-hmm. so it's definitely kurt interviewing prince on his home turf yeah um i thought it was a really pleasant interview yeah. um and everyone was in a good mood prince was in a good mood but it wasn't especially revealing there wasn't a lot of you know new information that came out of this interview prince did a lot of kidding around with with kurt loader and used kind of funny voices Mm -hmm. and was definitely engaged with him he was very jovial with him and Mm -hmm. very non-confrontational yeah Uh, kurt asked him about miles davis Uh and he kind of avoided and skirted that question but in a like pleasant lighthearted kind of way yeah or like it was just something that he tried to release and was basically couldn't because of legal reasons that kind of thing Kurt also asked him about the name change and why he did it, and uh, that was the most revealing part of the interview for me, was that his reply was that the name change separated him from all the criticism that Prince ever received, that he was immune to it uh, from that point forward, and and he never really struck me as a person who was particularly bothered by anyone's opinion, right? at least publicly, so maybe some of that thick skin wasn't quite as thick as we thought, and, you know, helped him get past that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he said, uh, once the... when somebody says, oh, Steve is a big old jerk, uh-huh. that doesn't bother you. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's like now somebody talks about Prince, so it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not me. So um, he did mention Roadhouse Garden, which we talked about. That was some information that had been on the Love, Love for None the website. Again, he mentioned that this had been pushed to the back burner. Yeah. He had a nice story about... Uh, Tokyo, and that they had put tambourines on seats, right. and all these kids from Tokyo 
didn't take the tambourines with them. They were supposed to, but yeah. since nobody had explicitly told them these that are yours, these are your tambourines. They played, used the tambourines during the show, and then left them on their seats, which I thought was a sweet story. And, yeah, very cute. And then they talked a little bit about what was in the vault. So yeah, very little. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, you kind of listed the things you might find. Back the there. really erotic prints. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see. I think that he had a little bit of a history too of uh, talking up what's there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, knowing that he was in full control over it. Right. Um, and then depending on now what happens with the estate, we'll see how much of that is true. Certainly, it's. As full of unreleased recordings as he says. Now, how he spoke about them may or may not be right. completely accurate. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. You have to, uh, is he a reliable narrator? Right. You have to make a distinction, a decision there. That's right. So. Who is this man and why is he lying I, to me? Yep. Thank you, Dean Rader. <laughs> a professor of ours from college. Um, all right. Then we had a Larry King live from December 10th, 1999. No, I wrote down December 11th, but what oh. does it matter? Mid-December 1999. Two weeks before Christmas. Yeah. Yes. So I thought, um, I remember seeing this on CNN when it I aired. Re- I think we watched this together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the first thing I think is, man, is there anyone more opposite of Prince who's ever interviewed Prince <laughs> Than Larry King. I mean, yeah, talk about totally oil and water. And it was great. It was really good. It I, was. It's the they, most impressed I've ever been with Larry King. Yeah. He did a great job. Obviously, this is not the kind of person that he spent a lot of time talking to. Now, definitely, he interviewed a lot of famous people from all different walks of life. But I would say this was not the kind of interview he did the most. Right. So... It was. I thought he did a really good job, and it was. It was interesting. They were both really comfortable. You mm-hmm. would expect Larry King to be comfortable on his own show, but Prince was. Yeah, very relaxed. Very relaxed. Very comfortable. Just again, kind of jovial, mm-hmm. answering the questions or not, but in a in a way that was endearing. Yeah, very yeah. much so. He kind of, Larry kicked it off with, you know, talking about his feud with Warner Brothers and Prince really praising Warner Brothers and saying that they were gracious, that he wouldn't be where he was without them. And of course, this comes like five years after Prince being in concert and leading chance of F Warner uh-huh, Brothers. Yeah. You know? So it's clearly he's coming out on the other side of this and seeing the oh, benefits of, right. of of his label when he, when he had one. Right. And um, the promotion that they did and the help right. that they gave him, even though he didn't feel especially well-treated by them in the moment. Looking right. back, he had a little rosier view of yep, things. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, Larry King also asked him about the name change, and mm-hmm. Prince positioned it as a choice between fame and spiritual well-being. Right. That he chose spiritual well-being, which... I think is really admirable. Oh, I, mean, I thought, you know, he's yeah. basically is saying uh, that the fame and fortune was secondary. Yeah, um, it's easy to say that when you've already achieved the fame. That's and right. Fortune. Yes, and I think that's the big criticism <laughs> that said, of this era. But is he's already he's already reached the mountaintop, so it's easy then to say that I don't need this anymore, anymore and right. I have a strong enough foundation that I can do what I want. So while right. it was a brave move and an unusual move, there was certainly a safety net there mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. They did talk about Crystal Ball a little bit, mm-hmm. and Larry King asked him why he wanted to release Crystal Ball, and Prince said, because my so-called fans 
ouch, have released bootlegs of these, right. and I wanted the my original vision yeah. of these songs to be out there in the world rather than the bootlegs. Right, well, he was like, definitely on a bootleg crusade at this point. However, most of Crystal Ball, at least half of it, was uh, you know remixes and things that weren't heavily bootlegged at the time. It was right. full of things that you know are historical, but over three discs, I would say probably forty percent of it was more recent. Oh, okay. unreleased music and oh, remixes so okay. it wasn't completely that way so yeah. again I kind of roll my eyes a little bit at that yep um, but yeah you're right he did position it uh, that way but he Larry also asked him about Miles Davis just like Kurt Loder did mm-hmm. and um, Prince was a little more open with him yeah and talked about how he learned a lot about space from Miles Davis yeah which I thought was kind of a neat reference to, to the four the, seconds of silence yeah, on Raven to the second, Joy seconds, Fantastic yeah. that were dedicated to Miles mm-hmm. Davis so it was kind of a neat connection there yep I did notice he wasn't wearing a wedding ring which is not super surprising but he does yeah. mention Maite in this yeah. interview Larry asks well what does your wife call you you know Prince is yeah. holding up his necklace and uh, well and he what, was very like sweet about that well she never called me Prince he didn't right. say he didn't you know she called she calls me honey or yeah exactly you know but she never called me Prince which it, it was kind of a way of almost skirting that question mm-hmm. without really skirting it not what she calls me now this is what she called me right and she never called me prince yeah he had yeah. been saying that from the beginning of like the emancipation era when right he, uh, he changed his name or the gold experience era even um in 1994 yeah. that this wasn't something that she ever called me so it's not an issue no yeah Oh, he's very complimentary of a lot of people in this interview. He compliments Morris Day's performance in Purple Rain that he stole the show. And he mm-hmm. says the time is great on the pay-per-view concert that he's there to promote too. Mm-hmm. They touched on his privacy a little bit too. Um, you know, Larry asked him, "You know, you're a private person, um, so how much do you reveal and how do you reveal it?" Um, you know, asked him, "Do you care about?" Uh, any other celebrity's wife or private, you know, affairs. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. And I thought he had a he had a nice response to it too by bringing it back to music. And he said, my music is what you come to the party for. And if I choose to give you something more than that, that's my gift to you. Yeah. But if you're there looking for something else, then that probably says something in you that's lacking, that you're right. trying to fill a void somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciated that. It's kind of uh, almost you think of cyberbullying these days. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. long before that came around. But this is kind of the typical defense for, you know, people who've been cyberbullied is, you know, you're you're being attacked by people who are lacking in character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. He did mention his dad. Larry King asked him about his dad. And he said he didn't characterize... That relationship is difficult, which mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe that might have a similar view of that at, in 1999 as he had with his relationship with Warner Brothers. That looking oh. back, he's not he's not as critical of those relationships as he was maybe in the moment. True. So um, you know, I his, thought that was his, interesting. His dad passed away about a year, year and a half after that interview too. Mm-hmm. So who knows if he may have been ill and right. you know, there was some reconciliation going on, but yeah, he was asked if it was difficult or abusive and he really kind of squashed that question right away. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, they talked about him growing up 
when did he know he wanted to be a musician? Yeah. Since he was 12. Yeah. Did he like growing up in Minneapolis? A lot of different things. <laughs> he mentioned a former manager whose name I can't recall. <laughs> yeah, which is like, clearly mm, not true. I don't think that that's true at all. But, you know, I appreciate his graciousness of <sighs> not wanting to call anybody out. And he really didn't say anything ugly or unkind. He just didn't want to talk about that person. Yeah, so, kind of made it a joke. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this whole thing reminded me of if Prince were to deliver a graduation speech. There, yeah. there are nuggets of that in yeah, here. I can see that. Very That's inspirational fair. and uh-huh. a little bit of his own personal story. Um, and you leave feeling good. Yeah. He said all of his inspiration comes from God. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice, this is where I really noticed and made a note of, he was all about the glitter at this time. There, yes. Even during this interview, he, his hair was like perfectly quaffed. And every performance, he had glitter in his hair uh-huh. at this time. Like there was not one of these performances. And this is where I really noticed it. And I was like, even for Larry King, he's wearing the glitter. <laughs> yes. Again, you look at Prince and you turn around, camera two is Larry King. And you're like, what am I watching? This is... <laughs> yeah. There's a man with fantastic eyeliner and glitter and beautiful hair and and a sheer shirt. Uh huh. And And on the the other side, you've got hunched his Larry King's shoulders go up to his ears. Yeah, he's got suspenders on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I thought it was kind of fun that they took some questions. Oh yeah, from callers. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. That was that was fun. People asked him about so far, so pleased. Yeah. Somebody said to him that um, it's so good to see you on Larry King. And he says, well, it's a pleasure to be seen. Yeah, which is <laughs> funny. That's a funny. line from a movie star. Right. It's a song on the crystal ball set that right. they asked him about. Yeah. Um, which is not intentional. And that was the one that, fun thing. was it D'Angelo's favorite? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's Bootleg. why he included it right. on crystal ball. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I also liked his line of, you don't win anything by fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I was yeah, like, it was definitely oh. kind of a, like I said, he's come out on the other side of four or five years of turmoil. Um, still obviously going through some turmoil with his in his marriage, but business-wise and spiritually seemed to have arrived at a place where he was particularly happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. And then, you know, Larry Graham comes out because Prince didn't go anywhere without Larry Graham. Right. Although in this interview, I thought Larry was very he personal. Was and uh, he dressed like Larry King. Yeah. <laughs> which was funny. was funny. Wore suspenders yeah. like Larry King. Yeah. That was funny. And then we have uh, the final interview and the final thing we're going to talk about. Right. This podcast was December 29th, 1999, an mm-hmm. interview with Bryant Gumbel. And it was a remote. Right. Bryant was in yeah, the New York, I think, whatever studio. Yeah, he was in, I think, New York, but I'm not sure. I and it was New York. Prince was in Paisley Park getting. Was he really getting ready? I mean, I assume that they were still. He said he said something about, well, we had the time in here for rehearsal. So I think maybe they hadn't filmed it yet, but they were about to. Uh, I don't know. know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. But same stage, same setup as the rave unto the year 2000 concert. Um, So I I do love the split screen with Bryant Gumbel, a Christmas tree, 
And Prince. Prince. That's some yeah. classic stuff yeah, right there. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. Bryant asked him about the album being produced by Prince. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Prince's reply was a little perplexing to me that he was looking to bring back some of that classic sound from the 80s, which I don't particularly hear no. on this album at all. So... Um, I think it was a... It was just kind of a marketing ploy, I think. We're just going to throw that out there. I don't think it was a real... Yeah, or maybe he felt that way and was just so, you know, kind of lost in the forest that to realize, well, this doesn't really sound like... Right. ...what you say it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, again, reiterates that there's no need to play 1999 again after Mm -hmm. this. Yes. Uh, Did a lot of no-sirs and yes-sirs also. Did you notice that throughout uh, this whole thing? Yeah, and I think that that was a symptom of him really going through the name change. Is I remember hearing another interview. No, I don't Prince remember. said no-sir and I, yes-sir. Uh, well, I, that's, that's what I'm getting at, okay. is that Prince had another interview where he said, well, what do you, people call you now? And he says, well, sir, more. <laughs> and I think maybe him... Hearing that more, he was using that language more rather than using people's names quite as much oh. because he, he didn't, didn't have, have a name for people to I see use. What you're saying. Makes sense. You know, I want to like Brian Gumble, and I think it's cool that he had a connection with Prince. We got to see Brian leaving the Today Show a few years earlier uh-huh. and show up to see him off. And yeah, we brought, watched this interview, and then that popped up, and yeah, I was like, was well, nice. let's watch this too. It's only a minute and a half, right? <laughs> And Bryant has said that he owns three Prince songs that no one has ever heard that Prince gave for him. Oh. One was a, a theme song for Bryant's own show on CBS mm. that Bryant had to turn down because he didn't feel like it was right for the show. Oh. But Bryant's a hard guy to, to like. Oh, really? Oh, I thought I he was fine. He's he a doesn't... really hard guy to like. Oh, well, okay. You Sorry, Brent. Have... <laughs> you don't even know his name. No. No wonder you can't like him. He doesn't know um, my name. Prince says he's giving us a stocking stuffer right. with baby nose. It's going to be a stocking stuffer, uh-huh. which yep. is funny, knowing that he does not celebrate Christmas. Right, yeah. But it was funny. It was. And it was all in good fun. I thought the performance was good. Mm-hmm. It It's the early show, and it begs the question, had they been up all night? Yeah. Because it didn't seem like they got up early. Right. There was no lagging happening here it's kind of seemed to me like you know maybe they started rehearsals at two or three a.m and this was the this was the yeah this was they were wrapping things up here about yeah even after the song you can actually hear prince out of breath at the end of the song uh to wrap up this interview with bryant after the performance Mm -hmm. and he's kind of breathing heavy and you know says that it's a little early to be up Uh doing this and it's also you know, to an empty soundstage is where they're playing to also, which I'm sure was a challenge. Yeah. And my favorite line of the whole thing, Bryant Gumbel says, well, that was only terrific. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that he's a fan. I do too. All right. So we have rules. All right. Once again, that time of the show, choosing things from this album. I'm, I'm ready to choose these things and do a little moving on. So, We have a time capsule. Uh-huh. That's the first thing we choose. We also choose a C, which is our low point of the things that we have discussed during this episode, and a mountain, our right. favorite thing. So my time capsule was the New Year's Eve special. The entire stinking thing from start to finish. 
Yes, with all the the quick cuts, the songs that were included, the people who were famous who were there. Uh-huh. It seemed like a very much a turn-of-the-century uh-huh. item for me. So what was your time capsule? Well, I'm close to you, but not exact. Okay. I went for the DVD menu for <laughs> the Rave to the Year 2000 it special. It horrible. Oh, my God. It was so awful. I mean, uh, we've got like 3D spinning symbol and a the, small snippet of the title track that just looped over and over again. and That awful font. This terrible font that's so hard to read. It looked like it was made uh, with an old version of... Uh, Roxio's Toast, which maybe it was. That might be exactly what it's from. If you know anything about DVD authoring, Toast was the way to do it in Uh the past. And it was just, it really did look like someone's well-done home video. Yeah. And what we thought that it was supposed to read choose joint maybe where you could choose which no i think it was it was supposed it to be choice it choice said choice joint. choice joint that lets you i think pick. that it was like this is a it was a it was a play it was a choice joint it's a good thing it's the you know and you can choose it so i thought it was a terrible pun okay i think it was intentional but not successful yeah, it yeah. was it was just not not good. It wasn't that good. So we're close but not the same. Okay. And we have yet to agree perfectly on any one of these any things. Any of any of them. I don't know. Let's see. The C the low point was the editing of that New Year's Eve special because Winner, winner, chicken oh, dinner. Oh glory, hallelujah, we, we match up. We can agree on time. this. The editing job on the concert film. Was awful it was terrible it really made made it unenjoyable yeah not unwatchable but definitely i, I mean i would rather listen to it than than watch yes. it and i have done that before taken yeah. the audio off the dvd and tracked it and listened uh-huh. to it uh what you lose is a little of the energy on the songs that have it yeah um, but what you gain is not having to watch the parts that are so cringeworthy <laughs> and the editing you know just so many quick cuts i uh-huh. mean really really tough to watch yeah yeah well and you know those quick cuts are like proven to make you less smart that's right we've watched we've yes they that's why that. we never let our children well <laughs> one of the many reasons why you never let the kids watch spongebob squarepants <laughs> right. because it literally makes you dumber that's right so it's a, it's you a, know it's a brain drain yeah it is all right and then our favorite thing the best thing that we liked our mountain yeah the joy of the things my favorite part was the Larry King interview. Well, glory hallelujah. Oh, we agree on this too. After how many podcasts of not finding common ground, I was also a, the biggest fan of the Larry King interview. Probably, yeah, just so... probably the most watchable, enjoyable, somehow least cringeworthy interview that the artist formerly Prince, formerly known as Prince, ever gave during that time yeah. period where Everything sort of makes sense if you appreciate him as just someone who's reached a Muhammad Ali place in his life right. where he decided it was time to make a change and did it and explains it in a fairly down-to-earth way that you might not agree with and think it's a little crazy, but it does make a little sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. I thought it was really good. I'm a little surprised that you chose an interview over a performance. 
but I, I thought none I of the performances, the performances weren't, weren't great. Yeah. I thought going into this, if there were, if we were ever going to come to an agreement on something, we would definitely probably find it here because the high points <laughs> were easy to find. Yeah. And the low points were pretty condensed onto one disc named Raven to the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> yup. <laughs> All right. Well, gosh, I'm grateful, thankful. Thank you. all the harmony we've created in the world, except right. mixing up Harrison Ford and Ben Stein <laughs> and calling Bryant Gumble Brent. That's fine. All right. So next time. Oh, we got kind of a special episode. We have a special next. episode where um, it's a summertime. The kids are home. We've got <laughs> some other stuff going on. So next time, this is going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to do a one-second challenge. So we have all the songs, some of them sent in by you, dear listeners. If you sent me a song, I will shout you out on the next pod. And Josh will have... One second in which to determine what deep cut I am playing for him. So we're only limiting it to studio albums. Mm -hmm. So that's good stuff. Looking forward to that. So fun. And we, uh, I can assure you, I'm not looking over her shoulder to see what's going on with this. I'm pretty good at keeping secrets and respecting secrets. Yes, he never goes hunting for Christmas gifts or birthday gifts. I don't even want to open them on Christmas. No, you you really don't. He would rather look at the packages wrapped up and dream about what might be in them rather than actually find out what's in them. So I'm not worried that he's going to like sneak peek at this at all. But do join us for that if you want to see any of these videos except for Raven to the year 2000 that you would have to purchase yourself all the others we found online over the next couple of weeks I will be posting links to all of them so if there's any of them that you want to see do follow us on Facebook the mountains and the sea a prince podcast you can follow us on twitter tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast or you can shoot us an email and i'll send you the links and that's tmatspodcast at gmail.com thanks for spending some time with us today have a great one we'll see you next time